welcome to this episode of the Leaders Tribe podcast. And today we have again a very special guest. Every guest is special, but today it's a really dear friend of mine, Sukhan Chopra, whose first question, first question that I've asked her was if she is related to Deepak Chopra. <laughs> but why is she here today is because she's an expert in conflict resolution. And while going through different leadership roles throughout the years, I'm in the topic of leadership for eight years by now, conflict is definitely a topic that is coming up again and again and again. Whenever you work with people who are having, well, every person will have some differences from you, right? They will have different mindsets, they will have different experiences, they will have different upbringing. So conflict is inevitable. And the question is rather, how do you deal with the conflict in a way that it's constructive and it doesn't destroy your team afterwards when when solved it so uh, super happy to have you here to share your insights on conflict resolution and uh, yeah i'm giving the uh, ball to you to introduce yourself in a little bit more detail well thank you for having me mika it's an absolute pleasure for me as well and good to see you with all the humor that you bring at every opportunity yeah, so I basically am in the conscious living space and quite recently shifted my focus towards raising emotional levels of emotional awareness levels, so EQ and conflict resolution, because like you, I also recognize that is a very, very big need um, in every aspect of life, workplace, personal, family life, whatever. And yeah, I have a podcast as well, Becoming an Epic Being, where I bring inspiring guests to from all over the world to share their transformative stories and where they have undergone big shifts so they can offer the offer people to do the same and give them the tools to do the same. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah, we'll link her podcast in the description yeah. and go check it out. I will definitely listen to some more episodes in the future. And uh, yeah, the question is the first one to start with. How did you get into conflict resolution? What was the thing that pushed mm. you, that brought you to deal with it? Well, as a person, I'm extremely curious and more specifically curious about human behavior and just diving deeper and understanding why we humans are wired the way we are, why we act out the way we do in certain situations. And from my own experiences and observations of the workplace, of life as it goes, I just started realizing that um, everywhere there's conflict and very often we do, don't know how to navigate through that conflict and because I'm someone who would say naturally have this like talent or skill to just dive deeper into understanding people and where the gaps are that create conflict it just made me more interested in that field and I just dove straight in because like I said there's a lot of need and not enough awareness on conflict mm. so I was like let me be the one to try and make some impact here. Yeah, that's pretty much how it started by my curiosity and interest in just people and conversations. Mm -hmm. And of course, my own history of, you know, times when I have had fallouts with friends and people who once upon a time would matter to me. And why would I have fallouts? Like, because of my own limiting patterns, my own thought patterns and stuff. And that's where awareness came in the picture. Because as a person, I'm like, I'm obsessed with awareness, like self-awareness. Like, that's my thing. Mm -hmm. So... When you when you translate that into conflict, then it kind of changes everything around that. Yeah, that's exciting because I think most people see conflict as something negative, right? There are very yeah, it has a very negative connotation attached to it. It does, yeah. There are very few people who say like, "Yeah, conflict, give it to me." I want to, <laughs> unless you're drunk, then then you're looking then you're looking for a conflict, yeah. especially yeah, physical yeah, one. Yeah. But like yeah. regularly, whenever there is this conflict opportunity, people will be like, "Ah." Uh, 
even like conflict depicted as um as a tension right like in yeah. business context you rather rather talk yeah. about tension so there is a tension between us or in a relationship right right um how do you see it the, the the conflict in general do you also still after dealing for so long with that still have this feeling of like negativity towards it or what's what's how would you describe it in this conscious way so you're right because one of the misconceptions that most of the world have about conflict is that it's destructive and it's negative because it does have a very negative like i said negative meaning attached to it right but i think like what i've learned over the years and through my experience is that conflict in itself is not inherently destructive it's the way we manage it or rather don't manage it that yeah. makes it so sure. uh, and that completely comes down to our inability to manage it constructively which is why it becomes destructive but for me now i think conflict actually allows um scope and opportunity for collaboration and connection mm -hmm. because what happens is when something comes to the surface when you have conflict what happens right all the underlying suppressed stuff it just comes out and depending on how you navigate that how you actually treat that thing then you can become more closer to someone okay at least understand them better forget being closer just understand them better you know say and understand what matters to them what's what's not working out for them what's not acceptable for them where their boundaries are and then you can learn to build that connection from that point on otherwise you're just working with tensions right because people aren't saying what they need there's a lot of suppressed um, tensions and i think conflict actually is a great chance to bring everything out in the open and that's when pandora's box completely opens so i think it's great sometimes pandora's box is a great uh yeah and i don't think it has to long last forever like you know people also have this um, preconceived notion about conflict that it's going to make things worse when it's on when it's addressed but that's not always the case it depends on just how it's done you know and that's where of course being conscious being aware comes in the picture that's why these things take a lot of work yeah you could see conflict or tension as a transformational mechanism right like there is yeah, something that, you know, that there is something that wants to be changed like if you imagine a little chicken being in the egg yeah it's like that's the status quo but it's growing and it's it's developing and at one point it needs to break the egg right so it's like this initial conflict of yeah. like you need to break something in order for something else to be born and if the chicken doesn't break this egg if it don't like sometimes they just don't manage they don't have enough power so they just die in this egg right so this is this, this an opportunity that doesn't get a chance to see the light of the world and now, yeah, now, now when you've shared it just said this, this very well said because you're right there's so many examples of how conflict naturally exists in the nature scape it's just how it is you know when there's trees or animals or plants or like you said chicken and the egg like the egg yeah, exactly. And with humans, of course, but a whole other level with war and yeah. all kinds of shit that goes on. That's not necessary, but just how it plays out sometimes. Yeah. So let's just say for for the sake of saying it, we're not talking about armed conflicts. There is nothing good in armed conflicts in the world. So we're like taking away this yeah, part yeah. of the conflicts. We're talking just about conversational about conflicts. Conversational inter-human, inter exactly. Yeah. Do you have an example from... Like either your practice, what what you're allowed to share without an NDA, yeah, or from work or from any walk of from any part of life where there was a conflict that like you're still remembering, where which you maybe didn't manage that well, and then you realized after you've learned more about it after you know you dove into this thing that you would have if you would have handled it differently then it would be a completely different result back then. What I've witnessed or personally with me that I did not handle well? Both can be both. 
Because I start with the easy one, which is what I witnessed. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, just, you know, managers fighting it out for no reason. I mean, the reason was a bit trivial, to be honest, where, you know, constantly delaying timelines and not cooperating with each other and just trying to make life difficult, which would seem intentional that they're just doing it liberally, not to cooperate with each other and just not sharing resources or sharing information. And when I dove deeper, what it really came down to is one of the managers felt really unappreciated for their efforts. Mm-hmm. And all they wanted was some appreciation, acknowledgement and recognition for what they were doing actually mattered. And when that came to the surface, they realized how trivial and how silly they were acting through the whole process, like went on for weeks, just went on for weeks. They just weren't giving information because you know how stuff this child ego takes over the human sometimes. Yeah. Like when adults act like kids because the child ego completely dominates them and they yeah, want yeah, yeah. recognition, that's what was happening. And most of the time, that's what actually happened in the work happened in the workplace. You know, we our egos take over and everything else you see is just like a facade of something else happening in the background that's completely un not visible to anyone. Um to answer your second question, which I will not avoid because I will talk about my own situation as well. Yeah, there was a time when I basically reacted very badly with one of my team subordinates because this person breached confidentiality in the company and went around sharing something. And I just lost my shit. Like I was literally speaking on a very high volume with all of the team members, there are three of them and he was one of them. And I was so angry, I was actually shaking, but I just lost my cool. And that was conflict because I did not take it privately. I mean, that created a lot of tensions. From that point on, there were a lot of tensions between me and this person for like weeks because I didn't behave properly. And I never apologized to me. That was like, because I'm the manager, I was right by doing that. But I actually destroyed the whole equation with him. Mm. And yeah, I could have been much calmer, being more being far more self-regulated because that's where the biggest test is how you regulate your emotions how you calm yourself and i at that moment at that point completely failed and i just shouted just to prove a point and teach him a lesson that this is not acceptable but of course there are many ways to teach or convey a lesson or message right and that's where i was wrong so yeah is it um, do you also call it in in, in your work this is like the adult position, you know, there is this, the, the adult, the child and the parent. Yeah, that's like the transactionality. I love that work. My favorite work. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and like shout, screaming at someone, it, it's like this parental thing, right? Like yeah, yeah, yeah. Parent is screaming at the child and like putting this strong hierarchy while yeah. adults are dealing with things in a different way. Yeah, um, it's just about how we replicate our parental patterns unconsciously and we mimic them. Even though we say, you know, stuff like, I'll never be like my dad, never be like my mom. It always happens because you've grown up with them. And the child one is where you have your needs that are not met since childhood. And that keeps playing on your life in different situations over and over again. And adult is about being, looking things, looking, looking at things from a very rational and objective view and being in the here and the now. Like, who am I today? So it's plugging out from both the parent and the child and being the adult. Literally what it means to be an adult. So yeah, what you said is very relevant. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you for sharing that story. Let's take it as a as an example, like the, the boat stories mm-hmm. for like conflict mm-hmm. resolution process. You yeah. already said probably that's the beginning to like figure it out that you have to be in the adult position to solve yeah. the conflict, right? Otherwise, it just self perpetuates. Yeah. Um. So, what would be like from a a what the ABC of solving the conflict? What does it what does does it start from, and how would you go until the moment? So let's just go like step by step. 
deconstruct okay. or I think like I said, because this work is very transformative and it does require deep inner work, the first step is awareness. Mm -hmm. Without awareness, you can follow any process is going to draw you back to square one because you haven't done the work. And the work is being aware of your own of your own patterns and where you might have contributed to the conflict. What are you doing wrong? Mm -hmm. What are you not understanding about the other person that they're trying to say to you, right? Um, so yeah, just understanding your role in the conflict in whatever capacity, like where is my role in this? How can I own my responsibility? And when you become aware, that changes a lot in itself because you own your choices. You always have a choice to respond to something as well. And which leads me to the second point, which is the power of responsibility, responsibility, which is about you have the ability to choose how you respond to any situation. Like no one has a power over you unless you give it to them, of course. And this is what most people miss because we often by default, like get stuck in victimhood. Like they did this, they did that, they screwed up. They yeah. made me feel this way, which I guess is a given because that's how we've grown up. We've, we've grown up in the same way. We've never thought any differently, right? We've just been like that. But as you come in the adult mode, it's about actually owning your choices and taking more responsibility for how you can act differently in your environment. And a part of that is also to solve conflict is perspective taking you know because very often we get so caught up in our own mindsets which are very often fixated and linear that I want to see things this way and we get we become we succumb to the my way or the highway syndrome which yeah. does not serve anyone so perspective taking is actually about what can I learn about the other person what am I seeing that they are not seeing um, what have I missed seeing about their their perspective like if what experiences have they grown up with what have they had and finally, if I had these same experiences, what would I be seeing right now? That's different to what I'm seeing in the current scenario. So these three are very powerful. Yeah, The power of perspective taking, power of awareness, and power of responsibility, I think, are some of the fundamentals to going about resolving conflict in those situations. Yeah. Mm. yeah I love especially the responsibility, right? Like yeah. Or yeah. responsibility when you break it into two parts of yeah. profound comparison and I miss one thing I think with awareness also comes because you know behind all the facade of anger and blame and shame and all the blame shame game is a series of unmet needs mm -hmm. your unmet needs and as long as you are not in touch with your needs you will never be able to convey that to someone else and you'll keep on blaming them for what's not right in, in with, with, with the equation right so you have to first understand what need of yours is not being met. Mm -hmm. um, you know, how you can get in touch with that need and express that in, in, a, in a way that's authentic and respectful for the other person, not like shouting at them or blaming them or whatever, because that's just counterproductive to everything. So, yeah. Yeah, so true. That's the um, big, very big part of self-awareness, right? Understanding your yeah. own needs. And it's yeah. also a foundation of nonviolent communication where yes um, yes it's yes also called need-based communication where you like first communicate your needs and then ask for the needs of the other yeah. person um like this yeah, in fact, you mentioned that that's what they say right marshall that's what he says anger judgment are nothing but alienated expressions of unmet needs mm -hmm. that's what it is yeah. so that's where that came, yeah, comes from yeah like even even if you look at animals right like if the animal doesn't feel safe they will be attacking but mm -hmm. if they feel very safe with you like even dogs right in the situation where you don't feel safe they will bite but they can also be super fluffy and just you know lying <laughs> lying on your chest and cuddle with you 
Uh, and it's the same for human beings, but we often forget that there are same nervous system patterns in human beings and we can control it a little bit better or much better normally than animals, but there are still the same reptile brain, right? That is responsible for the feeling of safety. And if we don't calm it down, then the person will just be aggressive. Yes. Nervous. Exactly. Yes, exactly. Very cool. Let's start with this because you already talked about emotional regula regulation before. As a part of like, gaining this awareness, you cannot get awareness if you're like completely out of the box, right? Like, you're just too too scared uh, and like just going nuts. So how, what what do you teach to people, or what would you suggest to a person who, when a conflict starts, I also, I also have this many times, and even sometimes now, I just get this, you know, like goosebumps, right. but not the but not not the goose nice goosebumps that you get in a nice movie or like when you're inspired, but like this nervous goosebumps and i feel like okay i really need to calm down in that moment otherwise i will say something stupid or or aggressive so what would we suggest in that situation to first even come to this point where i can properly think about it right so emotional regulation part what what are your tips here i think this is a no-brainer but the first part of being self-regulated is actually managing your physiology because mm -hmm. no matter how straight you think if your body's under constant stress there's no point of that because if you're always living under stress which means not eating right not sleeping correctly or correct um rightly and not exercising correctly or whatever your body's energy levels are compromised i know how you're just cranky for no reason or like irritable for no other reason that's when this happens because of your physiology and your nervous system is actually an imbalance. It's not balanced correctly. So first of all, get that basic step, those basic steps, right? Your physiology in order. Mm -hmm. And when you're in the moment, you're, when your body is in a state of calm and you have a peaceful or rather balanced nervous system, then you can manage your mind and your thoughts and your breath. So talking about managing yourself in the heat of the moment, like it always happens. Mm -hmm. Yeah, turn to breath. Take a, take a deep breath and pause and ask yourself, how can I show up better right now? Because, you know, again, what Marshall says, right? Between a stimulus and a response is a nanosecond or a second. In that space lies a choice. In that choice lies your freedom. Mm -hmm. So when you choose to actually take that breath and introspect on what is happening right now, just process, just digest in that few minutes. Mm -hmm. Then you have the choice to show up better because there'll be regrets afterwards. Otherwise, if you just react, which is the... Uh, like default way in many ways, if, unless you are trained. It's, it takes a lot of training to do this stuff. Mm. Yeah. So I would just say, when you're feeling triggered or very annoyed or agitated or angry, just take a breath and ask yourself, who do I want to be right now? Yeah. Because that just gives you some perspective, you know? And if you have to plug out, plug out. Go for a walk, take a breath, or like take a break, I mean. And then come back to the person and always, by all means, don't avoid the person or the situation. Mm -hmm. You have to express what you're feeling if it's anger, but it's far better. It serves you far better if you do it in a way that's more constructive. And that only happens when you communicate your needs or your anger authentically. Mm -hmm. And that's where authentic communication comes in the picture. Yeah. But it's not easy. Like the stuff takes takes awareness, but the main test is actually doing it in the moment, right? Like how you how do you actually practice this when it need when it's needed the most? So, yeah, it's just about practicing and being aware of what I what I can do better every time that it happens. Mm. 
Yeah, now while you've been saying that, I just thought that the whole movie industry, like Hollywood mostly, but also general movies, they broke or they gave us a wrong impression of solving conflict, right? Because in, what we see in Hollywood is like you're faced with conflicts and then you're directly replying and your reply is super smart. And then, you know, like you resolve the conflict in the moment through this. Like, like Stuart, super... Stuart does that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, super smart people. But what we forget is that they have a script, right? That are just like written with a script. And in the real life, you don't have a script. Like, you just have to come up with things. And and I I found sometimes I found myself, or I still find myself in the situation where, you know, something is happening and then something happened and I didn't didn't have a proper answer. And I thought, like, you know, I could have said, I could have reacted faster. I could have said this. this yeah. Damn, I should have said this. Damn, I should yeah. have done that. I don't know how it feels. That's very irritating. <laughs> when you're like lying in the bed two years <laughs> later, you're like, I should have said that. Yeah. But like, as, as you're saying, the right approach is actually not to try to be the smartest in the room, right? Like the fastest with your witty uh, reply, but actually take a moment to reply or even say, hey, I don't have the answer right now or I even even just saying hey right now i feel very like very nervous in the moment i will give you a reply later on let's just stop this conversation mm-hmm. here and continue because i feel like i cannot control my emotions right now this is super powerful and almost no one is doing that there's like a little percentage of people who can who can actually say that but it's so strong right then you're just actually empowering the conversation through that instead of becoming angry or rude you're just saying, hey, I just need a moment. Let's let's talk in five minutes, or I'll you know go drink a glass of water. Let me just quickly calm down and we'll continue. So this is so powerful, like this regulation that you just talked about. This moment, not to take this moment to come up with the smartest line to answer, but to take yeah. this moment to actually calm just down. For yourself. Yeah, for yourself. Just honor yourself and what's happening within you. That's just so powerful. Yeah. And that perhaps gives a chance to the other person to actually calm down and think what they're doing, what they are saying, right? Mm. Yeah, yeah, that because, pause is very important. Very often, it's like this kind of like a ping pong. Yeah. The, other, the other someone has to stop and like catch the ball and say like, "Hey, yeah. do do you realize what is just happening?" Because the person who catches this moment can actually help the conversation because some like one some one person is usually having a little bit higher awareness of a yeah. situation and then doesn't let this like go too far. Distance. Is this something that you um do yourself or practice yourself? Um, like this uh, taking pauses, you mean? You sound like you do, yeah. I um I do it. So what I can think of like, directly in the moment is written communication, because I have like directly a couple of examples come up in my head where I was having a written conversation, and at one point it became like an argument. You know, like there was. <laughs> slight line where you realize huh, we're actually writing in a little bit like aggressive or passive aggressive way and then in that moment i was like oh wow like we really need to take a pause or you know texting hey i feel like we're there is a misunderstanding in the way yeah. we're meaning things that we're writing let's just mm-hmm. like let, let's just talk in half an hour and like come nice. back or, or let, let's just have a call i really really I, I just have this feeling of like a train that is going faster and faster and you're like, oh, oh, or like two trains that are, you know, going, going uh, to each other. And before they collide, you just like take the break and be like, hey, uh, sorry, maybe, I, you know, saying sorry is a powerful thing to like slow down. Say like, hey, sorry, maybe I, I didn't express myself uh, as clear as I wanted. 
thing like there, there is some misunderstanding let's just have a call and the call is already a different modality and just it just switches the gears and then you hear the voice of the person and you you, you talk with your own voice and it just calm, calms the whole thing down I, I often have it then like leading remote teams in the last years I often had it in text that like it was becoming attention but then when you call then you can, you can solve it because it's different yeah yeah but also normal in normal conversations as well saying like I, when i i often realize when i have like low sugar tired in the evening and then uh, someone wants to have this like you know not just a random fun conversation but like a serious conversation sometimes i just feel i'm not in the in the function mind state right now to have it that's sort of like that's yeah, that's why I said when your body's in a constant state of stress or compromised with energy, then there's only so much that thinking straight or your mind can do. It just can't. It has to go, you know, in conjunction. Like it supports, they support each other, mind and the body. They're two way relationship. Yeah. So that's that's the that's the first part. Do you have any breathing technique that you could suggest to the listeners that you're maybe? Yeah, using? I'm not a breathwork expert. I'll just say that outright. But um, I think. You know, this whole thing of like taking inhales and then longer exhales, it just helps to put you back in the parasympathetic mode of functioning. And of course, there's box breathing for stress management. Wim Hof has this whole other technique of, you know, leveraging breath work and putting people in the superpower and super operating mode. Um, yeah, you can look, look him up, but I just do deep breathing very often, especially during my meditation sessions. And yeah, I don't do box breathing too much, but I do do um yeah just long inhales long longer exhales sometimes and pausing holding the breath and i have tried holotropic breath work which is incredibly powerful for releasing any withheld tension or trauma in the body because i had a very powerful release in bali when i went for two hour holotropic breath work session that was insane yeah yeah because the stuff there's stuff that's stored in your body. It's just stored. That's just how it works that we don't consciously know. But like the body, you know, the book, The Body Keeps Score, um, which I'm yet to read, by the way, on my shelf for the longest time. But yeah, like it, your cells remember everything. So breath is one of the tools to let go of those tensions and subconscious memories and whatever stresses. Yeah. And what, what's box breathing is this like four, four, four? four yeah, exactly. Yeah. Could it yeah. like shortly describe it? Because maybe someone... I think it's um if I remember correctly, four times. So count till four to inhale, pause for four, exhale for four counts, and then pause for four counts. Mm -hmm. Yeah, simple to remember. Yeah, yeah, one of the easiest. And then like through that, you focus on your breath. You start counting, so you like switch from net, like some, some yeah. thoughts that. You're I having. think I think you can actually use that if you have time when in the heat of a very confrontational moment with someone. <laughs> could be helpful be like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. could just but, things in perspective right yeah and when you hold your breath you cannot say stupid stuff so <laughs> <laughs> yeah you can't exactly i love that my breath. Yeah. <laughs> carry on exactly yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah okay so let's let's move to the second part that was the response ability right mm -hmm. like taking ownership for the situation can you talk a little bit more about that, please? Yeah, it's just owning your choices, you know, because like I said, we very often, very easily fall victim to situations and people and circumstances and being responsible just means you, you realize that you have the ability to respond to any given situation or 
respond more consciously and own that situation with more power of choices. That's what it comes down to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's why it's called responsibility, which I love. It's such a powerful thing because the moment, you know, in fact, I heard this guy said once in one of his conversations, um, Tom Bulio, mm-hmm. how do you say his name? Tom Bulio, yeah, that I believe that everything that happens is a hundred percent my fault because it's very empowering to think that way because I can look back at myself and my life and see this is where I went wrong and this is how I can change it. Otherwise you're always blaming people and you have no control over that. You're outsourcing your power to other people. So when you, it may be very extreme for some people to understand that what he's saying that everything's my 100% my fault, which is extreme, but like I get where he's coming from, which is about owning your life, owning your choices. When you do that, then you can only control what you can control, right? which is your life. You can't control anything else. So, yeah. yeah now when, when, when you said the word extreme, I remember the book Extreme Ownership. Yeah, yeah, yeah of course. Doing, yeah, exactly. And in the beginning of the book, like before you read the book, you think like, yeah, Mel, not, not everything is my fault. But then you read more and more of like how he is actually putting the things and you realize everything is my responsibility, especially if you're yeah, you know, yeah. when talk about leadership. As soon as you as a leader, as a manager, as a person with like people responsibility, as soon as you start blaming someone else for something, you're done. Like you, you go, you're done. Exactly. <laughs> you're done for me. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like you're really giving away your power and even i know there are there are situations where you're just like it's out of my control and it's fine like during covid for example i i was leading a team of eight people full-time plus like thousand volunteers during covid huge organization and then there were moments definitely even after reading that book of extreme ownership i was like okay maybe covid is not exactly my fault but but how uh, how I'm dealing with that, right? Like how I'm leading the organization that really helped this mindset of not just sitting around in this victim mindset, say like everything is shit, to more like what's, what's the best I, I as a leader, as a CEO of the organization can do right now to bring the organization through this crisis, right? Like what's the best I can do today in, in the next one hour? What is, you know, what's what's in my responsibility? What, taking ownership for the situation, not for the whole thing, it's not about yeah. taking blame for everything. That's I think. Yeah, that's... yeah, yeah. That's being um, that's falling victim another way. Oh, it's my fault. Yes, yes, yes. That's falling weak. That's not the point. Yeah, and th- that's actually also a big mistake I've done because I was in this extreme ownership thing, and I was like, yeah, we'll take responsibility and like take all the blame. But then what happened? People started blaming me for. <laughs> I thought you know the idea of the people book... are very funny creatures. They took advantage of that. That's so crazy. Wow. The idea of the book is that if you're like showing extreme ownership. Yeah. then others are also taking ownership so you say hey that was my fault then they say no 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 that's like that's my responsibility i will do it better you know let's let's see how to improve it and then the team gets better and then i had an experience in in one of the teams where i was like you know taking a lot of blame on me but people took it as like yeah well okay that's his fault so they no. didn't, you know it didn't work in, in the way well, it has to be a balance because imagine if any two people are involved in conflict Imagine if each of those two individuals came from a space of this is 100% my responsibility. Mm-hmm. So 0% them, 100% me. If both the people do that, then there's no conflict. What happens is people operate with the mindset of it's 100% their fault and 0% mine, right? <laughs> and that's a very bad imbalance because you can't have one person take all the fault or the other person take the blame. It's about being equal in that sense. And there will be no conflict the day people have the awareness that it's 100% my responsibility and same thing here. 
100% my responsibility. So that's 200% of power in the equation, right? And both both parties can make sure that it works out. Yeah. How you react to it, how your response is, that's where responsibility comes from. Yeah, I mean, as much as I believe in the power of this work, I sort of also realize that you won't have much luck in getting through someone who does not want to receive and want to work and want to negotiate and just not negotiate, want to, yeah, work with you. It's impossible because you can't take all the blame. It's unfair, especially if you aren't completely wrong. And if you do that, you'll have resentment catch up to you very soon, which will blow up in your face one day and damage your already constrained relationship with someone. Yeah, but this work, um, that's why people say that it's, it's very difficult to work with narcissists. It's, you just dis, like you just distance yourself. You're better, you're better off going away from them, right? Than working with narcissists because they have no awareness to see where they are acting out and what they can do better. They're always blaming the world for their problems because they don't very deep, deep rooted baggage. But anyway. It's more of a psychotherapy thing. <laughs> yeah. Solve and conflict resolution. Okay. Uh, so yeah, that so much about ownership and responsibility. And the yeah. third thing was perspective, right? Could you elaborate on yeah. that? Yeah, one of my favorite topics. Yeah, perspective taking is, so all of us grow up with our own mental models of the world. You know, how we are conditioned to see the world and what we believe about the world, our upbringing, our conditioning, our experiences. And that becomes our mental reality, right? Because I feel, not I feel, that I know that reality is nothing but a construction of our perception. That's reality. And when we become fixed on seeing something a certain way, then it just prevents you from seeing how other people are seeing that as well. So we all have our lenses, right, um, of seeing the world. Like I said, our mental models. So I think perspective taking is really about trying to detach a bit from your way of seeing things for at least the time being while you're involved in a conversation and making an effort, a genuine effort to see things from other people's perspective. And also empathy in there as well. Empathy is a part of that because you can't really take perspectives unless uh, engage in perspective taking unless you have the thing to empathize with other people as well. So they go hand in hand. Yeah. So it's about understanding, like I said earlier, like, you know, questions about what are they seeing that I'm not seeing? What can I learn from the situation? What can I, how can I show up better? If I had the same experiences, how would I act differently? So they all in combination, you know, just play a role and help you to broaden your horizons and your breadth of thinking and just open your, your mental model of the world. Mm -hmm. So putting yourself in the shoes of the other person, right? Yeah. And I think the moment you try and engage and see more perspectives, it just opens up more space and scope for collaboration and other opportunities and more paths open up as well than what you are fixated on in that time. I think they write it in this uh, seven habits of highly effective people look for win-win. Right? I'm not sure if it comes from that book, but this concept of always looking for the win from every side mm -hmm. is super powerful. And I think it relates to what you shared about this perspective thing because if i'm if i'm coming from i want to win but i don't care about the other side then yeah, that's the ego game i play that's that completely ego yeah it's manipulation it's ego yeah, yeah, yeah that'll be like it will be hard to resolve the conflict yeah it's exactly like pushing uh trying to like use the hierarchy wherever it's very political and it, it's a toxic behavior right but if you're coming from this win-win mindset you're thinking how can we all win in the situation and then you're looking for for the best way 
then life becomes much easier actually it becomes much more pleasant much more like it much more smooth and more kind and just more chilled in that way exactly exactly there is also this question that i find very powerful that says um in a conflict with another party you're asking yourself what do i want for the relationship what do i really want for this relationship yeah like what do i want what does the other person want what do i wish for this relationship um and if you are if the answer is I actually want it like to be good to be stronger to be better to be like more relaxed then we kind of already have the answer how to um, how to react in the yeah. situation or like what are yeah, what when are... you said when you said like win win right like this is especially relevant for the corporate context because very often people get caught up in their own whims and fancies and desires about what they want to pursue what they should be doing where they should be spending more money and allocating resources or budget and all that stuff which is fair but in the interest of pursuing their teams or the immediate short-term gains, they forget the company's mission, who are they actually working for, you know? And that's that actually requires them to plug out from that and focus on the bigger picture. What's the long-term outcome here? Who actually benefits from, if if I just serve my team myself and the company won't grow and the company won't grow, then I won't grow. So people lose their perspective in that process, but it also is about making others win with yourself, but also focusing on the bigger picture. That's very, very important, especially in the corporate and the in the workplace context. And, and it's tough in the workplace in the, in corporate because the construction is so huge. Like there are so many people there. And yeah. this this win-win mindset it relies on the assumption that the other person, like all the yeah. other parties are playing the same game. Exactly. I know and very few are actually playing this game. So which like, is why companies have to make us. I interrupt you. Were you saying something? I uh, uh, just want to say that I think people are often feeling that they are the victim of the situation. So if they don't push for their own win, no one will actually care about them winning. So they will just lose this rat race inside of the the corporate uh hamster wheel right? yeah the... yeah within the corporate workplace the rat race going on in itself within the same company i think also why people companies have to leaders have to reinforce the bigger picture the vision so often because people forget right they get so caught up in their own daily roles and their tasks and the deadlines and targets and whatever but the moment you believe in something stronger than yourself and bigger than what you're doing which is of course the big picture vision mission north star whatever you want to call it that's when they get that perspective. Okay, why why am I getting so caught up in this right now? Because it ultimately benefits the people and the company and myself eventually if I just focus on whatever else is going on in the bigger in the bigger aspect and the big picture. So yeah. Cool. What um what would be some phrases that you find very powerful to say to like either prevent the conflict or during the conflict, you know, like to and like make it make it more constructive you know, like we talked about questions that you ask yourself like when you've already went through all these processes you you became aware you like thought about your responsibility like you calmed yourself down you yeah. took the perspective like what are phrases that phrases yeah say to yeah in fact i gave this one of my presentations today which was peace is not the absence of conflict it is the ability to handle conflict by peaceful means mm. That's what the difference is because know. you can't have conflict. I mean, like I said, like in the beginning of my earlier um talk this morning, that like where there are people, whether human beings, there will be complexities. 
and hence there will be conflict that's just how humans work there cannot be there can't be not any conflict that's the nature of the life of life and the game right it's about how we handle conflict that determines the difference between whether it's destructive or constructive so that's one of them yeah and of course stephen covey's fifth habit number five which is to be understood seek to first no no was it to 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 be understood seek to understand first something yeah, like yeah, whatever. Yeah, exactly. I the whole thing but something like that yeah Mm -hmm. And what are what are things that I can say specifically? So let's imagine we're having like a conflict and something yeah. is happening. Yeah. For me, for me to make the space safer, to I know, like to make the conflict resolution smoother. What can I say specifically? For example, uh, from the book Crucial Conversations, they talk about making the space safe, like creating this safe frame for the person to come down and for you to be able to constructively so resolve the the situation. Uh, so what what they say phrases like, um, for example, repeating after the person, like rephrasing what the person said, echoing. Like, if I understand you correctly, if I hear you correctly, I do that all the time. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. So like they say, let me just paraphrase to see if I understood you correctly, right? Like this, that's a powerful phrase because it shows that you're really trying to to understand the other person, and it shows them that you actually understood them if you can paraphrase it well, or like just saying, mm -hmm. I'm, uh, I'm. Like, sorry, I think there was a misunderstanding from my side or like I didn't explain it correctly. Let me explain it in a little bit more detail so that we can find, you know, like this kind of formulations. Uh, do, do you have some like magic formulations where which you always use or which you recommend to people? You know what I mean? I think one thing you can say to yourself, you're asking in the, in the heat of the moment in those conversations, you can ask yourself, what do I really want here? Because that just pushes you back to why what you're doing and why you're doing it, right? Because when you focus on that, then you realize that what you are doing, which is probably being trivial, is not worth it. Mm -hmm. And I love what you said about echoing someone else. That's one of my um, ways for building connection and resolving conflict because we also make sure that they have been heard correctly and there's no scope for any misunderstandings. But yeah, always echoing by saying something like, if I hear you correctly, from what I, from what I understand you say, da, 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 this is what you mean. There are very powerful ways of summarizing other people's conversations and um, yeah, your, your talk with other people and just plays like that. What else are some powerful phrases you can say to yourself? Um, what can I learn from the situation? How can I understand this person better? How can I show up for this person better? Just stuff like, to your own self, right? Is that what you're asking? And to, you also say? to the other person. Also to the like to 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 yourself as well, but also to the other person. I think that because that's what do you need? That's the biggest question. What mm -hmm. do you need? Yeah, that's a cool one. Just asking that is so powerful. Like, what do you need? Not like in a nice tone of voice. Like, not what, yeah, what do yeah. you need? Yeah, what do you need? Or like, what do you want about? No, not that. What's wrong with you? No. <laughs> what do you need? Yeah. How? So that basically is directly representing that you care for the person, right? Mm -hmm. Like you're asking them what they need and how you can you actually can maybe try and fulfill the need for them if it's possible. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. How how you formulate it, how you frame it is also so important, mm -hmm. right? Like with which tone of voice yeah. you're saying. It's be... also not what you say, how it is said. So what you're saying is very relevant. You can't just say what do you need? Or yeah. what yeah, I know. <laughs> what do you need again? Okay, so as we're coming uh, close to the end of this podcast, what would be like some last giveaways uh, from your side for the listeners, for them to be able to resolve conflicts confidently and constructively? Mm. 
don't fear it. Embrace difficult conversations. Um, be self-aware. Try to be self-aware at least, which is a whole other process about reflecting on your own self and your thought patterns and why you feel and say things whatever way that you do. We can use journaling as a very powerful technique for that. Asking yourself questions. I do a lot of that all the time. Um, yeah, curiosity. Forget I think I didn't mention this earlier, but like curiosity is a very, very powerful tool as well because it just helps you to disengage from judgment, which happens like so easy for us, right? Like we judge people all the time. Mm -hmm. But the biggest antidote to judgment is curiosity. You know, why are they acting this way? Or what can I learn about the situation? Or what can I learn about this person? And that's how it goes. Um, and yeah, just um, curiosity. And through that, you can do perspective taking. And all of that formulates the bedrock for collaboration. So curiosity, collaboration creates this magic zone of creative productivity. That's how it all flows. Yeah. Creative productivity. I love the term. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sounds cool. That's when people thrive because you can't really function in spaces which are, you know, dominated by like stress and high tensions because you can't be in the be yourself in those spaces. You're walking on eggshells. So you may as well do the hard stuff proactively by having tough conversations when you need to and learning to express yourself in a way that's respectful and honest at the same time. And that's done through authentic communication, you know, without the blame that it's not about you. It's about I'm feeling this way because so-and-so. Yeah, totally. Hope that's enough for the, for the listeners right now. Give a whole dose. <laughs> yeah, also like from, from my side, uh, some tips as well. One is to talk to a third party that is not involved in the conflict or like not directly perspective, Very important, yes. So like just get out by yourself. The perspective part that you've named before and it's like three pillars of conflict resolution. Very often it's hard to take the perspective, especially when emotions are like cooking. Uh, so then just telling to someone, hey, this and the situation, very often this person will say like, are you kidding? This is in the conflict. Just like, you know, I think the other person wants this or that. And if, if you cannot resolve the conflict in the end, just between two of you, it's sometimes you just get a, how do you call it, mediator, right? Like an, a third party who is not involved in the conflict at all, but who knows both of you, maybe. Or even an external one that is not a part of the company, part of the team. And it's just, I did it a couple of times for like other people, me as a mediator, and it just changes everything because there people talk like the person A yeah, talks to you, person B yeah. talks to you instead of like, as soon as you talk to each other, emotions start boiling, but then you're like, okay, talk to me, you know, what did you hear from the other person? You're like, kind of like, take, and you take were translating the for them. Is that what you were doing? Sorry? Were you translating for them? What they were saying to you and then you were saying to be, was that it? You were doing that? Like translating each person's message in a better way? Kind of like I, I in the beginning one, like when they had this emotional high in the first, I first had a call with one, then I had a call with the other separately first, like to understand their perspectives. Then when we had the call, three of us i was like asking the other person to tell the story from like from perspective of the other person so like in the beginning i took out this factor of them talking towards each other and like you know this blame game so i let them talk from the other person's perspective so like so if we would have a conflict i would say so my name is sukun and i felt like uh not appreciated by my chef and like just saying that from the other side mm. from that person's perspectives already makes you feel more empathetic towards the other person and yes. you start feeling how the other person is feeling when you're like having 
at least some some kind of very true that emotional intelligence and then like emotions are already going down and it's like what do we so I, if i remember correctly it was like 50 or 60 percent of the time of the whole call they were talking from the perspective of the other person so i was asking what do you need from it's like so so mika what do you need from uh from sukun and mm -hmm. you would be saying i want more i need more appreciation i need more understanding i i want an apology you know so like wow. them just speaking out the needs it was like a mindfuck for them like speaking about the not about their own needs but about trying to understand what the needs of the other person are and speaking in the first persons <laughs> just like yeah uh, that's so powerful wow so this kind of mediation things are, are really powerful and i underestimated them for a long time I, I should have used myself in some situations because there was just I, there were some people with whom i just couldn't find a proper mm. way of communication i should have used mediation with retrospective very helpful i'm sure very instrumental in the whole process go you mika good stuff <laughs> yeah and then just going to like a non-violent communication training or to yeah. a conflict resolution training by sukun for example <laughs> uh, these are like going to this kind of trainings actually helps truly because you're just trying those things you're experimenting right. you know you're speaking it out just reading books will not really help in that case it's helpful but not as powerful as going to a training so Agreed. we'll put some links if uh, Sukun will be offering some in the future. Yes. yes. Check it out. Follow her on LinkedIn, Instagram, wherever. Yeah, in fact, on. we're just, um, I've just launched, um, Beta launched a, a course-based app on raising EQ levels, so Emotion Smart. Wow. Co-founder, um, we must have met Hakeem. I'm not sure if we did, but like he came in third week of MVU. So we launched an app, a course-based app on how he can create more emotional awareness in the world. Wow. I can, yeah. That's, that's what we awesome. We'll put the link down. down <laughs> I'll share with you anyway. You can be a beta tester for us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, cool. Love it. Love this topic. Thank you so much for coming. Thanks that, for having me, Mika. This was an absolute blast. Thank you. It was. We should, should record the second part as well. It's like one of the <laughs> Some 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 in in some interviews I'm like that's such a huge topic and it's, it's so yeah, much it is. talk it for is. hours about that right yes we did in fact and we can't go on can't we because that's just how the topic flows yes so thanks everyone for sticking around until the end thank you Sukun Danyavat Meredost for uh, coming <laughs> well, there he comes again <laughs> Danyavat Meredost thank you very much <laughs> goodbye Namaste.